relax, and get ready for The Mystic Show, episode 144. Take a deep breath. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm happy you're able to join me at this very moment. And this show is where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and the otherworldly, and sometimes the worldly, and also the unseen, right? There are so many unseen aspects to our lives that you cannot hold in your hands or, you know, hand to someone else. There's so many subtle, emotional, energetic nuances in life. And guess what? Most of the time, all of us just overlook them and disregard them. So on this show, we talk about those things. They're the most important things in life. New episodes every Friday morning early, except last Friday. I want to apologize because last week was the first week in about 10 months that I did not publish an episode. And partially that's because my wife and I, my wife and I are in the process of moving and uh, it's just, we're moving across the country too, so there's a lot going on, and and we won't get into it. But anyhow, we're back on track, <laughs> and hopefully the next few weeks I I won't miss another one. But if I do, you'll know why because I would only miss one more, perhaps at most. So and and I don't think I'll miss one more. So. Our website is themysticshow.net, and you can actually comment on all these episodes. Any episode, you can just go to the website, and each episode is like a blog post. You can comment on it or ask questions. And you can also hear us as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And uh, actually, one of the podcast apps that I've been using is called Podcast Addict. It's good on Android. I don't know if it's on iPhone, um, but for Android, it's good. I guess for iPhone, you guys have the uh, podcasts app, plural, podcasts, right? That's totally connected with all the iTunes and Apple stuff. Quick thank you to Pause Your Life, which is our sponsor, which is our, in a way, our sister organization. Uh, Pause Your Life facilitates meetups and retreats for those people who want to hit the pause button on your life. Well, on their life. Not It's not other people hitting your pause button. <laughs> it's you hitting your own pause button. And just taking a break from the rat race, the everyday grind, the relentless stream of activities and thoughts that just occupy every moment of our lives. I mean, have you ever met anyone recently who did not say, oh, I'm really busy? 
Everyone says it. Have you ever met someone who said, yeah, I'm, I'm just chilling and relaxing. I have all the time in the world. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, I guess those people are out there. But um, And, of course, the Mystic Show. Um, well, now it's September. This episode is going to be published on September 4th, 2015. And for the past few months in the summertime, we've been uh, reading from a book very special book called Raja Yoga um, by Swami Vivekananda. And I, I think he may have spoken this and they transcribed it into a book or it's possible he wrote it. I don't know the exact history, um, but it's called Raja Yoga. And the other title is Conquering the Internal Nature. And that's not, you know, my other title that's actually Vivekananda writes that it's called Raja Yoga or Conquering the Internal Nature. It was published in 1896. We've already read chapters one through five. Today we're going to read chapter six, and it's not very long. Uh, and then I have a bunch of points that I want to comment on. So we can go ahead and get started reading this chapter. And by the way, I really think that uh, reading from a text like this, because Vivekananda was a powerful figure and he's known to be one of the great saints of India, you know, even though it was written more than a hundred years ago and some of the terminology is different now and he may talk about a practice differently than the practice you do right now. And, but I think hearing this, listening to it and being open to learning from it, uh, it's a great learning opportunity. So hopefully, regardless of what practice you're doing in your own life or not doing, or whatever area of interest you have in spirituality, you know, this might not be your exact area of interest, but let me tell you something, by listening to Vivekananda and understanding what he's talking about, it's on a deeper level. And really, we can all learn from it. So hopefully, you can get a few good points or nuggets that influence your life. Um, you know, because I've been practicing meditation for years now, and and I well, I'm I'm a person who loves to learn anyway, all the time, um, which can be to my detriment sometimes, <laughs> um, because I think there's a point when we have to stop learning and start doing, or even better than doing, is being. Um, but I still learn a lot from Vivekananda, from James Allen, from, of course, all the literature in my meditation practice. So let's get right into it. Let's start reading chapter six from the book Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda. And this chapter is called Pratyahara and Dharana. The next step is called pratyahara. What is this? You know how perceptions come. First of all, there are the external instruments, then the internal organs, acting in the body through the brain centers, and there is the mind. When these come together and attach themselves to some external thing, then we perceive that thing. At the same time, 
it is a very difficult thing to concentrate the mind and attach it to one organ only. The mind is a slave. We hear, be good, and be good, and be good, taught all over the world. There is hardly a child born in any country in the world who has not been told, do not steal, do not tell a lie. But nobody tells the child how he can help it. Talking will never do it. Why should he not become a thief? We do not teach him how not to steal. We simply tell him, do not steal. Only when we teach him to control his mind do we really help him. All actions, internal and external, occur when the mind joins itself to certain centers, which centers are called the organs. Willingly or unwillingly, it is drawn to join itself to the centers. And that is why people do foolish deeds and feel misery, which, if the mind were under control, they would not do. What would be the result of controlling the mind? It then would not join itself to the centers of perception, and, naturally, feeling and willing would be under control. It is clear so far. Is it possible? It is perfectly possible. You see it in modern times. The faith healers teach people to deny misery and pain and evil. Their philosophy is rather roundabout, but it is part of yoga into which they have somehow stumbled. In those cases where they succeed in making a person throw off suffering by denying it, they have really taught a part of pratyahara, as they have made the mind of the person taught strong enough to refuse to take up the record of the senses. The hypnotists, in a similar manner, by their suggestion, excite in the patient a sort of morbid pratyahara for the time being. The so-called hypnotic suggestion can only act upon a diseased body and a clouded mind. And until the operator, by means of fixed gaze or otherwise, has succeeded in putting the mind of the subject in a sort of passive, morbid condition, his suggestions never work. Now the control of the centers which is established in a hypnotic patient or the patient of faith healing, for a time, is utterly reprehensible, because it leads to ultimate ruin. It is not really controlling the brain centers by the power of one's own will, but is, as it were, stunning the patient's mind for a time by sudden blows which another's will delivers to it. It is not checking by means of reins and muscular strength the mad career of a fiery team, but rather by asking another to deliver heavy blows on the heads of the horses, to stun them for a time into gentleness. At each one of these processes, 
the man operated upon loses a part of his mental energies. And, at last, the mind, instead of gaining the power of perfect control, becomes a shapeless, powerless mass. And the only goal of the patient is the lunatic asylum. Every attempt at control which is not voluntary, not with the controller's own mind, is not only disastrous, but it defeats the end. The goal of each soul is freedom, mastery, freedom from the slavery of matter and thought, mastery of external and internal nature. Instead of leading toward that, every will current from another, in whatever form it comes to me, either as direct control of my organs or as forcing me to control them while under a morbid condition, only rivets one link more to the already existing heavy chain of bondage of past thoughts, past superstition. Therefore, beware how you allow yourself to be acted upon by others. Beware how you unknowingly bring another to ruin. True, some succeed in doing good to many for a time by giving a new trend to their propensities. But at the same time, they bring ruin to millions by the unconscious hypnotic suggestions they throw around, rousing in men and women that morbid, passive, hypnotic condition which makes them almost soulless at last. Whosoever, therefore, asks anyone to believe blindly, or drags mankind behind him through controlling it by his superior will, is an injurer to humanity, though he may not have intended it. Therefore, use your own minds. Control body and mind yourselves. Remember that until you are a diseased person, no extraneous will can work upon you. And avoid everyone, however great and good he may be, who asks you to blindly believe. All over the world there have been dancing and jumping and howling sects, who spread like infections when they begin to sing and dance and preach. They also come under this heading. They exercise a singular control for the time being over sensitive persons, alas, often, in the long run, to degenerate whole races. Aye, it is healthier for the individual or the race to remain wicked than to be made apparently good by such morbid, extraneous control. One's heart sinks to think of the amount of injury done to humanity by such irresponsible yet well-meaning religious fanatics. They little know that the minds which attain to sudden spiritual upheaval under their suggestions, with music and prayers, are simply making themselves passive, morbid, and powerless, and opening themselves to any other suggestion be it ever so evil. 
Little do these ignorant, deluded persons dream that whilst they are congratulating themselves upon their miraculous power to transform human hearts, which power they think was poured upon them by some being above the clouds, they are sowing the seeds of future decay, of crime, of lunacy, and of death. Therefore, beware of everything that takes away your freedom. Know that it is dangerous, and avoid it by all the means in your power. He who has succeeded in attaching or detaching his mind to or from the centers at will has succeeded in pratyahara, which means gathering towards, checking the outgoing powers of the mind, freeing it from the thraldom of the senses. When we can do this, we shall really possess a character. Then alone we shall have made a long step towards freedom. Before that, we are mere machines. How hard is it to control the mind? Well has it been compared to the maddened monkey. There was a monkey, restless by his own nature, as all monkeys are. As if that were not enough, someone made him drink freely of wine, so that he became still more restless. Then a scorpion stung him. When a man is stung by a scorpion, he jumps about for a whole day, so the poor monkey found his condition worse than ever. To complete his misery, a demon entered into him. What language can describe the uncontrollable restlessness of that monkey? The human mind is like that monkey, incessantly active by its own nature. Then it becomes drunk with the wine of desire, thus increasing its turbulence. After desire takes possession comes the sting of the scorpion of jealousy of others whose desires meet with fulfillment. And last of all, the demon of pride takes possession of the mind, making it think itself of all importance. How hard to control such a mind. The first lesson, then, is to sit for some time and let the mind run on. The mind is bubbling up all the time. It is like that monkey jumping about. Let the monkey jump as much as he can. You simply wait and watch. Knowledge is power, says the proverb, and that is true. Until you know what the mind is doing, you cannot control it. Give it the full length of the reins. Many most hideous thoughts may come into it. You will be astonished that it was possible for you to think such thoughts. But you will find that each day the mind's vagaries are becoming less and less violent, that each day it is becoming calmer. In the first few months, you will find that the mind will have a thousand thoughts. Later you will find that it is toned down to perhaps 700. And after a few more months, it will have fewer and fewer, until at last it will be under perfect control. But we must patiently practice every day.
As soon as the steam is turned on, the engine must run. And as soon as things are before us, we must perceive. So a man, to prove that he is not a machine, must demonstrate that he is under the control of nothing. This controlling of the mind and not allowing it to join itself to the centers is pratyahara. How is this practiced? It is a long work, not to be done in a day. Only after a patient, continuous struggle for years can we succeed. The next lesson depends on this. After you have practiced the pratyahara for a time, take to the next step, the dharana, holding the mind to certain points. What is meant by holding the mind to certain points? Forcing the mind to feel certain parts of the body to the exclusion of others. For instance, try to feel only the hand to the exclusion of other parts of the body. When the chitta, or mind stuff, is confined and limited to a certain place, this is called dharana. This dharana is of various sorts, and along with it, it is better to have a little play of the imagination. For instance, the mind should be made to think of one point in the heart. That is very difficult. An easier way is to imagine a lotus there. That lotus is full of light, effulgent light. Put the mind there. Or think of the lotus in the brain as full of light or of the different centers in the susumna mentioned before. The yogi must always practice. He should try to live alone. The companionship of different sorts of people distract his mind. He should not speak much, because to speak distracts the mind. Nor work much, because too much work distracts the mind. The mind cannot be controlled after a whole day's hard work. One with such a determination becomes a yogi. Such is the power of good that even the least done will bring a great amount of benefit. It will not hurt anyone, but will benefit everyone. First of all, it will tone down nervous excitement, bring calmness, Enable us to see things more clearly. The temperament will be better, and the health will be better. Sound health will be one of the first signs, and a beautiful voice. Defects in the voice will be changed. This will be among the first of the many effects that will come. Those who practice hard will get many other signs. Sometimes there will be sounds as a peal of bells heard at a distance, commingling, and falling on the ear as one continuous sound. Sometimes things will be seen, little specks of light floating and becoming bigger and bigger. And when these things come, know that you are progressing very fast. Those who want to be yogis and practice very hard must take a little care of their diet at first. 
Those who want to make very rapid progress, if they can live on milk alone for some months and cereals, will find it an advantage. But for those who want only a little practice for everyday business sort of life, let them not eat too much, but otherwise they may eat whatever they please. For those who want to make faster progress and to practice hard, a strict diet is absolutely necessary. As the organization becomes finer and finer, at first you will find that the least thing throws you out of balance. One bit of food, more or less, will disturb the whole system until you get perfect control, and then you will be able to eat whatever you like. You will find that when you are beginning to concentrate, the dropping of a pin will seem like a thunderbolt going through your brain. The organs get finer, and the perceptions get finer. These are the stages through which we have to pass, and all those who persevere will succeed. Give up all argumentation and other distractions. Is there anything in this dry intellectual jargon? It only throws the mind off its balance and disturbs it. These things have to be realized. Will talking do that? So give up all vain talk. Read only those books which have been written by persons who have had realization. Be like the pearl oyster. There is a pretty Indian fable to the effect that if it rains when the star Svati is in the ascendant and a drop of rain falls into an oyster, that drop will become a pearl. The oysters know this, so they come to the surface when that star shines and wait to catch the precious raindrop. When one falls into the shell, quickly the oyster closes it and dives down to the bottom of the sea, there to patiently develop the drop into the pearl. We should be like that. First hear, then understand, and then, leaving all distractions, shut our minds to the outside influences and devote ourselves to developing the truth within us. There is the danger of frittering away our energies by taking up an idea only for its novelty and then giving it up for another that is newer. Take one thing up and do it and see the end of it. And before you have seen the end, do not give up. He who can become mad upon an idea, he alone will see light. Those that only take a nibble here and there will never attain anything. They may titillate their nerves for a moment, but there it will end. They will be slaves in the hands of nature and will never get beyond the senses. Those who really want to be yogis must give up, once and for all, this nibbling at things. Take up one idea. Make that one idea your life. Dream of it. Think of it. Live on that idea. 
Let the brain, the body, muscles, nerves, every part of your body be full of that idea and just leave every other idea alone. This is the way to success and this is the way great spiritual giants are produced. Others are mere talking machines. If we really want to be blessed and make others blessed, we must go deeper and for the first step, do not disturb the mind and do not associate with persons whose ideas are disturbing. All of you know that certain persons, certain places, certain foods repel you. Avoid them. And those who want to go to the highest must avoid all company, good or bad. Practice hard. Whether you live or die, it does not matter. You have to plunge in and work without thinking of the result. If you are brave enough, in six months you will be a perfect yogi. But for others, those who take up just a bit of it, a little of everything, they get no higher. It is of no use to simply take a course of lessons. Those who are full of tamas ignorant and dull, those whose minds never get fixed on any idea, who only crave for something to entertain them, religion and philosophy are simply entertainments to them. They come to religion as to an entertainment and get that little bit of entertainment. These are the unpersevering. They hear a talk, think it is very nice, and then go home and forget all about it. To succeed, you must have tremendous perseverance, tremendous will. I will drink the ocean, says the persevering soul. At my will, mountains will crumble up. Have that sort of energy, that sort of will. Work hard, and you will reach the goal. And with that, we'll take a quick break. Be right back. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. Um, yeah, it was an incredible reading. And by the way, I just want to quickly mention that um, there's a few different ways you can uh, participate in this show. I'm not sure if you knew this. Um, you can share each episode on your social media, like your Facebook and Twitter. If you hear something you like or you think someone else might like, feel free to share it. Uh, you can also give the show a rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. And there's also a way that you can actually contribute a dollar or two or three per episode. Uh, you can find that on the website, themysticshow.net. So let's, uh, I have a few 
quotes from that reading, which we just read and heard, uh, that I thought were really interesting. I mean, the whole thing obviously is interesting. There's like a zillion things to talk about. Uh, These are just a couple quick things that jumped out at me. Again, I'd love to know your ideas. Uh, Go to themysticshow.net and find this episode number 144, and you can comment on the post. So he says, I'll read the quote first, and then I'll talk about it. Only when we teach him to control his mind do we really help him. So being in control of your own mind is, I don't know, in my opinion, this is the most important thing in life because the mind is the most powerful thing you have. And if you don't have control of it, then that's weird, right? (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I thought of education, like when we teach kids, right? We pump them full of this knowledge, these facts, you know, um, but we really don't teach them about their own mind. And, uh, well, at least here in America. Um, so only when we teach him to control his mind, do we really help him. So I think this, you know, what we heard today in this topic of being able to control your mind or at least know what your mind is, right? Cause we can't control it if we don't even understand what it is. So Vivekananda spoke directly to that in here. Um, and then he was, obviously, when he was talking about the power of the mind, I was thinking about the way that we, each of us, is manipulated by other people or companies or governments, because he was talking about how the hypnotists can, for a short time, take over the mind of their their subject or their patient. And um, I just thought that's a lot of I think all of us are manipulated to some degree by other people, companies, or and, and our government. Uh, and the quote is, The so-called hypnotic suggestion can only act upon a diseased body and a clouded mind. So to me, this was powerful because, you know, we hear a lot of things on the news about people trying to take their power back and and all this stuff, but... You know, until until we uh, uncloud our own mind or until we regulate our own mind or get control over our own mind, um, we're going to be manipulated. That's all there is to it. So, I mean, that kind of puts in perspective how important this is to to get a handle on our own, on your own mind. It's the most important part of you, actually, I think. Uh, Another quote, therefore, beware how you allow yourself to be acted upon by others. Right? Therefore, beware how you allow yourself to be acted upon by others. And the operative word in this sentence for me is allow. Because we really do, through habit mostly, we do allow other people to act upon us, to influence us, to manipulate us. It's really what we decide, um, or if we don't decide, then we're just going to be manipulated anyway. Um, 
I was in a seminar once a few years ago, many years ago, maybe five years ago now. And the, the teacher said, it's a, it's a comment that has stuck with me ever since. And she said that the way you treat people, that's what trains them on how to treat you back, on what you will accept. So if there's behavior you don't want to accept in other people, you can't accept it. That's unacceptable. But if you if you just let people manipulate you, let people have control over you, if you allow them to do that, then they w- then they will do that. You're you're training them on how to treat yourself. So the other part of that quote is beware how you unknowingly bring another to ruin. Right? So well this comes back to your own behavior. Uh, our own behaviors affect other people in ways that we don't quite understand fully. And I think this whole chapter we just read speaks to that, that the more we get to know our own mind, the more we regulate our mind or control our own mind, we will have a higher awareness of what we are doing and how it's affecting other people, right? All right, the next quote that I thought was rather awesome is... The organs get finer and the perceptions get finer. These are the stages through which we have to pass and all those who persevere will succeed. So he was talking about that we will become, we will have more awareness, a higher awareness. We will become more sensitive. Remember he said something like a pin drop will seem like a lightning bolt through your brain. Um, we will become much more sensitive and our perceptions will be heightened and we have to go through that stage in order to transcend that stage. So I know in my own life, this is, I've gone through this or or I might still be going through it. I don't know. Uh, but I'm very sensitive now and it, it's not easy to deal with being so sensitive because you see so much, you feel so much, and you'll see, you'll see 10 things in a situation where other people only see one, and you can see, ah, it, it's just hard sometimes, it, but it's all training, it's all, once we become sensitive, it's all about learning how to handle that and ignore things. Um, ignore in a good way Um, so we don't get sidetracked by it so we don't get disturbed by it as he says Um, he talks a lot in this chapter about we have to avoid having our mind disturbed right so he says don't don't hang out with other people (laughs) you know he gives us a lot of instructions which um Anyway, like I mentioned in the beginning, we have to learn from these things. Now, we're not going to just do this tomorrow, just not see anybody and not hang out with anybody or not have any friends or this kind of thing. But we have to let these advanced spiritual ideas sort of percolate and ruminate in the back of our minds. And I think over time, we can implement it in our lives in our own way, in a natural way. Whatever the natural way is for you, 
that's how you should implement it in your life. And it should come natural without trying to think about it or plan it, right? All right, then here's the, the, the last quote that I liked. Um, and again, if you had a quote you liked, comment on the website. He who can become mad upon an idea, he alone will see light. Those that only take a nibble here and there will never attain anything. I'm going to read this again. He who can become mad upon an idea, he alone will see light. Those that only take a nibble here and there will never attain anything. So whatever you are moving towards in your life, whatever goal you want to reach, whether it be spiritual or material or mental or emotional, become mad about it. Right? He also mentioned in this chapter that we should pick one idea and follow it through to the end until it's finished. And then think about another idea. I know in my life I have, you know, seven things going at the same time. Um, and, you know, you don't get to put your the full force of your energy towards any one thing. And in the end, that's what it takes for success. To really focus, to be like a laser aiming at your goal. And then we will achieve it. Although in my own life, I must say that in the past about 10 months, I've, uh, I have simplified my life a lot and I'm still simplifying, which is good. I, I actually, it, it, I think it's sort of a breakthrough, but I don't really know. And I don't really care. I mean, I don't judge my spirituality by any of these worldly things, right? I mean, in reality, we're all on the journey, but we don't know where we are, <laughs> And it really doesn't matter <laughs> um, because our mind cannot know. Our mind doesn't reach all the way up to spirit. The mind is finite. So these are some of my ideas. I hope you found some of them interesting. And uh, like I said, I'd like to hear from you. What, what parts of this reading really struck a chord with you? And how have these ideas been showing up in your life? So these are some great concepts. Hopefully, as you move through your weekend and next week, hopefully you can think about these ideas and maybe even talk about these ideas with some other people. Um, I was about to promote the website again, but it just feels so weird. I like ending these shows on a nice simple note <laughs> uh, it's it's such a fine line between presenting great material and and actually reminding people hey go to the website so so as you move through your weekend and your week keep these things in mind maybe write some something in your journal about them and as always keep shining. 